Thank you so much for joining us on the LifePoint Church podcast. If you would like to hear more from LifePoint, we encourage you to download the LifePoint app where you can watch sermons, take notes, and follow along in the Bible. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, we would love to hear about it at lifepoint.org forward slash story. Again, thanks for joining us. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Oh man, it's good to be in church. Um, Last Sunday was Vision Sunday. I hope you're able to be here and be a part of that. If not, go back and listen to it. Um, Really want you to get that. And uh, I just shared about God's vision for your life. I believe it's found in the scriptures. I don't know the details of the vision as far as where you're supposed to work or take that promotion or don't start that business or do. Um, But I do know that God has a vision for your life. And number one in that vision, step one, is that you would know God. Not just know about God, not an intellectual ascent, but that you would know God. There'd be a relationship, an intimacy with God. And and so we want you to know God. Number two, we want to help you find freedom. Because just because you know God doesn't mean you've dealt with your yesterdays. And, and the eyes of your heart, the Bible says, will be fogged by your yesterdays if you don't deal with them. So you'll forever filter relationships through past hurts if you don't find freedom from those past hurts. And, and you'll forever enter into situations with bitterness from somebody's hurt against you, and, and you'll filter. And so we want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened. That's what Paul said. And that, we say find freedom, and, and we do that through small groups. And that, that's groups of people that meet all over the region and all over the, the location where your campus is. And, and they meet together not just to, you know, have a Bible study, they're more so to have community and to have a place where you can be open and honest. Um, you don't need a bunch of people, but you need a few people that you can take the mask off with, that you can get your religious face off with and go, hey, I'm really struggling, or hey, I need prayer in this area, or, or hey, I need, I don't, you don't know this about me, but I need you to know this about me. Um, because I need you to walk with me through this. And, and if you didn't get the opportunity to sign up for a group, you need to do that today. You can go to guest services. You can go online, I think, lifepoint.org slash groups, and there's a group directory. And, um, and we want every age in a group. From, from preschool up, everybody has an opportunity to be in a group, and uh, only with our kids, they do it on Sunday mornings. And uh, then we want to help you discover your purpose. God created purpose, then he formed you to fulfill that purpose. That's why you'll never be fulfilled in life until you're making a difference within the gifts and purpose that God has given you, because that's why you were designed that way. The Bible says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he created beforehand for us to do. Before what? Before he formed us. So before you were ever made, God made purpose. And then he said, I'm going to craft a human that will fulfill that purpose. And so you won't be truly fulfilled until you're fulfilling that purpose. And so that's what we talked about last week, but also gave some new vision to things we're doing as students and children. And I just want to make sure you know about the student one real quick. Um, And that is this, beginning this Wednesday night is Movement Night. And you may be asking, what is Movement Night? Well, it is a worship experience environment for students, middle school, high school. And it is the way, it's the vehicle through how we help them know God. And so it begins this Wednesday night. It'll be the first Wednesday of every month. And so you can put it on your calendar as a reoccurring event until your child graduates high school. All right, so you know it's there. It's always there. Um, every first Wednesday um, of, the, of the month is going to be movement night. It's going to be a powerful night. We're offering transportation from every campus um, to the Fredericksburg campus to make sure no student has an excuse. And so you can be a part. 
The, the pre-party starts at 6.30, that's when doors open, and then it'll be 7 to 8.30, so mom and dad, you'll know when you can get them, get them home, get them in bed for school the next day, and I want to make sure, and then the way that we help students uh, find freedom is through groups, um, and that's called tribe. Every student needs a tribe, and I'll just tell you this, parent, if you don't get them in the church's tribe, the world will get them in their tribe. And so we want them to be a part of God's tribe. And so every Sunday that happens, different times at each campus. And so you can sign up for that. And that begins next Sunday. Not this Sunday, begins next Sunday. And so they want to get in tribe. And I just want to say a, a big thank you to every Dream Team member that is hosting a tribe. That you're letting... Because tribe is a little different than adult small groups. It's not 10 to 15 people. It's 30 to 60 students in a home. And so thank you for every home that's opening. I believe in heaven, you'll have clean carpets and in heaven, we just, we praise God for you. And thank you so much for opening up your home. But parents, listen to me. I said last week that you won't pass your faith to the next generation, having them in church once a month. And our reports show us that's about the average. And so I am deeply concerned for the next generation. And I'm telling you, we as a church will spend every resource it takes to reach your child. We will make the hires we need to make. We will do the program. We will do everything we need to do to help your kids know, find, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Don't clap yet. Don't clap yet because you may not like the next part. But I cannot get them in the house. I can't make it a priority in your home. I can't make sure they're at their tribe meeting. I can't make sure they're at movement. I can't make sure that they've gone to grow and they're on a serve team, on a dream team every weekend on the weekend. And I can't model it for them. If they don't see that it's, not, it, that it's important to you, it won't be important to them. And so not only do you need to have your students at this, you need to be engaging in this. You need to be in a group. You need to go to grow. You need to get on a dream team so that you model what's important, right, to them. Um, and, and I said last week, everybody says, well, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. We're none of us are busy. Get that out of your vocabulary. None of us are busy. We are all investing the amount of time we want to in the things we want to. And so maybe just priorities need to shift a little bit. All right, that's it. That's my encouragement. I hope you don't feel condemned, but I hope you feel convicted. Amen. <laughs> so um, starting a new series today called um, Fierce Faith. And... Um, We've had uh, a couple in um, some of our church planners, international church planners, and when I think of Fierce Faith, I think of them, Nat and Abby, and uh, they head back across the sea tomorrow, and I, I can't give you a lot of detail just for the safety of where they're at and what they're doing, um, but we love you, and your church is behind you. I hope you feel that, the love. We believe in you, and um, even in the challenges you're facing now, um, God's doing something, and I know you can't see it, but God is doing something, and, and uh, people will be reached, churches will be planted, and uh, you are at the spearhead of a movement, and so um, don't shrink back, and don't worry, God's got it, and, um, and what you thought you lost, he will give back to you a hundred times in different ways, not in the way you thought it, but in other ways, and I really believe that, and so we love you, and, um, and we will come see you. <laughs> All right, so how many of you remember the, the imagination you had as a child? Anybody remember that? Come on, somebody. You had, you had vivid imagination as a child, right? My, my kids are on their screen, you know, screen time. I even have a filter so it cuts the internet off on them after a certain amount of time. And so they're like, what do I do now? I don't have my screen. I'm like, use your imagination, son. Go outside, play in the dirt, climb a tree, capture a snake, wrestle a bear to the ground. I don't care what you got to do. Get outside. 
do something. I told him one time, I was like, we were on vacation in Gatlinburg, me and a family friend of ours and the dads, we told our sons, we were like, you're not really a man until you get out in the woods naked and wrestle a bear and kill him, so go. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so anyways, you just had vivid imagination. Here's the thing, one of the things I remember about my imagination as a child is um, I imagined that there was something under my bed and in my closet that was destined to get me. It was like a monster of some sort. I don't know exactly what it looked like, but it was out to get me. And um, I also imagined that my blankets were a force field. Come on, somebody. Anybody remember that? Like, you know, don't act so holy and mature now. But... It was a force field, and so I thought, you know, because I had to turn the light out, because I didn't have like a lamp beside my bed. We didn't have end tables. We were kids. <laughs> You're lucky you got a box spring. Come on, somebody. Like, <laughs> kids now have a whole bedroom set, like end tables. Like, there ain't no end table. I had stuffed animals on the ground. And so you had to turn the light switch out, right, right here on the wall. Then you had to jump from there to your bed, because if you walk, it would grab your feet. <laughs> Whatever that was. And it's crazy because I knew in my head that there was nothing under my bed except clothes and toys from when I was told to clean up. <laughs> they just shoved them all under the bed. Come on, somebody. But here's what happens to us is that um, some people say we mature. We grow up, right? But for some reason, our dreams grow down. And, and we grow up, and that's good. You should. Like, I encourage that. You should grow up, you, sh you should, you should um, grow up, and, and, and we do that because partly because it's what's celebrated in, in our culture, right? It's celebrated that we would settle down, is one way you could say it, because when you graduate high school, everybody says, where are you going to college? And then once you graduate college, everybody's like, well, have you got a, you got a job? And then, then you, you're dating, and everybody's like, when you guys getting married, right? Unless... You're single, and then people always ask you that. I got a little tool for you when somebody asks you if you're single. By the way, singleness is not a disease. And, and if, but if you're single and everybody's always like, well, you, you got a date, you get married, when you get married. At the next funeral you're at and a family member asks you that, look at them and go. They, when, at the weddings, they go, you're next. With the next funeral, go, you're next. <laughs> Anyways, just a little something to throw out there just to help you. Just to help you when that, when that older aunt goes, you know, when you get married, go, you're not. Anyways, I shouldn't say that stuff. But, but we, we celebrate in our culture safety and security. We even say it. We even, we even like, hey, I got a good job with good benefits. And that's not bad. Like, have that. Prepare for the future. Work hard. You should. But I'm afraid in settling down, we end up settling for less. And we stop believing, right? We stop dreaming. I think the word of the Lord today is, don't stop. Come on. Hold on to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, we got to have fierce faith. Come on, somebody. That's our theme song for fierce faith. But I don't think as we settle down that God wants us to settle for less. I think that, the older we get, the more dreams should be in our heart. Not dreams of monsters under our bed, but dreams of what if and, and could God and, 
And why don't us, that, that our, our risk level should grow, not diminish. But a lot of times our risk level diminishes. We want to play it safe and then we want to get into this little box and then we get to the end of our life and it's like, was this what I lived for? Was safe, was, was this it that to retire and mow the yard? Was this it? Shouldn't we believe, be believing for something more, something greater in our life? And, and especially for those of us that have taken that step, if we just don't know about God, but we know God, like we are people of faith. Like that's, we live by faith. If you don't know it, we're one of those faith churches. Like we believe the God of the impossible. We believe that miracles still happen. If you're new here, you need to know this. Like we believe that when we pray, God hears our prayers and responds to our prayers. We still believe that we can change a community and a city and a state and a nation for the glory of God. We believe that we're difference makers. We don't believe that life happens to us. We wake up and happen to life. We don't wake up and go, oh no, it's another day. We wake up and the devil goes, oh no, they're awake again. We are people of faith. We serve the God of abundance. We serve the God of miracles. And he's still active today. Don't let anybody ever tell you that miracles stopped when the Bible was done. We're continuing to write the history of the church. And God is still working in powerful ways. But as we settle down, oftentimes, even as believers, we settle for less. And I hope in this series, I want to stir your faith to something. I want every one of us to just go a step up. Whatever dimension of faith you're at, that you would just stretch it to another level. That, that you would believe for a little bit more. That, that you would just open your heart and be, begin to just dream a little bit more. That, that maybe God could and maybe God would and maybe God will. And just begin to, to let your faith grow a little bit. But if, if we're going to do that, first we've, we've got to know what faith is, right? Because... Sometimes we leave church, unfortunately, hopefully not here, but sometimes we leave church and it's like, it's inspiring, it's encouraging, and we get in the car and we're like, what did that mean? <laughs> like, are you with me? Or, or people just say like kind of dumb things sometimes in church, like you're, you're walking through a really hard time and people are like, well, just have faith. You're like, do I get that at CVS? Like, what do you mean? Like, anybody, are y'all with me? Like, we can just say some of the dumbest things sometimes. Like, like where, 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 where do I go get that? Like, I would like some of that. And, and so I want us to get, uh, what does faith mean? And then today I just want to lay a foundation for the next few weeks of switching your perspective on faith and, and helping maybe realign some things in your life. You're with me, say amen. amen. Awesome. Well, let's go to Hebrews. That, that teaches us what faith is about. It says this, that faith, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we can't see. So there's a great definition for faith. If you're a note taker, write that down. If you're not, write that down. <laughs> faith is the evidence of things we cannot see. So the very nature of faith is that I'm believing for something that is not yet reality. That's faith. Faith is the evidence. I'm believing for something that I cannot see. The Bible says that as believers, we walk by faith and not by sight. Walk by faith and not by sight. Scripture also tells us this, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So the reverse is true, that it is faith that pleases God. If the absence of it is displeasing, 
then the presence of it would be pleasing to God. So it, is, it puts a smile on the face of God whenever you're walking through your day declaring faith over your life and not doubt. Are you following me? It pleases the heart of God when you're in a difficult situation and you continue to say, I know the plans that he has for me. They are to prosper me. I don't see it yet, but I know it by faith that they're to prosper me and not to harm me, to give me a hope and a future when you live by faith. Are you following me? So faith is the evidence. But here's, here's a um, kind of a fresh revelation. Revelation just means kind of light bulb moment um, that I got this week studying this is faith is evidence. Evidence is something you bring to a courtroom when you're trying to um, win a case, prove your point. Are you with me? I think most of us have it reversed. I think that we think that God is in our courtroom proving himself to us. When actually we are in God's courtroom. We don't have to prove ourselves to God for relationship with him. Let me make that clear. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of your own works. It is the gift of God so that you don't get any credit. But when it comes to something we're believing for, then faith becomes our evidence to God to build our case. So the stronger the faith, the stronger the evidence. Are you with me? So whenever I declare that God has good things for me when I'm in the middle of a bad thing, doesn't mean that I am out of touch with reality. It doesn't mean that I'm a little bit off. I know some of you are thinking, I don't want to be a faith person. I've met those people. They're a little crazy. Like their kid is far from God and they're like declaring, but my kid will walk in the ways of the Lord all the days of his life and my child will be planted. I don't want to be like that. They seem a little crazy. No, they just got some evidence. They don't see it yet, but faith is the evidence of what I have not seen. So I've got sickness in my body, but I'm walking around going, I will live and I will not die. I will be good at health and old age. I will see the goodness of the Lord. I will see my grandchildren born. You're like, you're a little crazy. No, I'm putting evidence on the table in the courtroom of heaven to say, God, I do have faith. I am believing for what I cannot yet see. That is the essence of faith. So we have a working definition. Some of you are thinking, well, I don't know that I have any faith. And I would say all of us have a little bit of faith. Romans 12 says this, by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you. Paul's writing this, the apostle. He says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. That's free. (laughs) Not even part of the series, but you should write that down. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment. So he's saying, don't be arrogant, but don't beat yourself up either. Don't, don't. God doesn't want you walking around going, I'm an idiot, I don't know anything. Stop that. Cut that out of your vocabulary. But also don't walk around going, I'm God's gift to the earth. Just kind of be in between. Are you with me? In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So God has distributed something to each of you. The translation I grew up on is the King James, the King Jimmy version of the Bible with a lot of thou's and this's and whether unto's, right? But it said God has given a measure of faith to every one of us. So every one of us have a measure of faith. Now you look, may look at other people and think, I've only got a teaspoon of faith compared to their faith, and your job isn't to compare. Comparison will be the killer of contentment in your life. Your job is to look at your measure of faith, however big or small you think it may be, and say, I'm going to grow this faith. But a lot of us, we end up setting on our faith. We leave our faith dormant. 
And when it's dormant, it's ineffective in our life. And so we walk into situations where our faith has an opportunity to grow, and instead of growing and advancing, we retreat and decrease. But I would propose God wants your faith to grow. He wants you to take what He's given you and increase it. If, you're a, if there were a continuum, which there's not, but it's just the best way to illustrate it. If you're a three, just step towards a four. Now, there is the spiritual gift of faith, and you see that in the lives of some people, where they just have an, a supernatural ability to believe for things where you're like, I do not get it, but they believe for it, and then it happens. But not everybody has that, but everybody has a measure. And so work your measure. Let me say it this way. Work what you got. What well, ain't a lot? Well, work what you got. And if you'll work it, it'll grow. And then work that, and it'll grow. And then work that, and it'll grow. Are you with me? And so I want to talk to you in the next few moments. I'm going to give you three, three different perspective changes on your faith, because I think some of us may be looking at faith the wrong way, and if we look at it the wrong way, we can't see it right. If you can't see it right, you can't execute it and use it to your advantage, and you can't grow in it. And so we're going to look at a, a, an account in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 1, about a lady named Hannah who was unable to have children, and um, Hannah was married to a guy named Elkinah, and Elkinah had two wives, and I know it's like Jerry Springer, but it's another day. It was ancient Near East, and I just want to say this, just because the Bible describes an account doesn't mean that's the prescription for your life. So don't look at your wife and be like, hey, babe, it happened in the Bible. I mean, we, <laughs> no sister wives here. Y'all follow me? And um, uh, does that make sense? Let me give you an example. Just because David slept with Bathsheba and the Bible writes that down doesn't mean you need to go out and have an affair. Are y'all following me? Some things are descriptive and some things are prescriptive. This is a description, not a prescription. Prescription are the things you live by. Descriptions are the things that help give context to the story. If y'all with me, say amen. Great. All right. So this is where we enter into the text in verse 2. It said, he, that's Elkina, had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. And uh, it's not panini, like sandwiches. <laughs> Penina had children, but Hannah had none. She had no children. And year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord at Shiloh. So he would go up to worship where Hophni and Phinehas, not Phinehas and Ferb, but Hophni and Phinehas. <laughs> Come on, all the parents got that one. <laughs> you know, the two sons of Eli were priests of the Lord. And whenever the day came for Akana to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina, Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival, this other wife, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And this went on year after year. And whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. I wonder if you've ever been in a situation um, where the gap between where you were are and where you wanted to be was so great that it brought tears. Between what, where you currently were and where you were asking God to take you was so great that you wept. And poor Hannah, not only did she weep over this, but she had someone that was constantly reminding her of her pain, constantly reminding her of 
her gap between where she was and where she wanted to be. And maybe it's not even something negative in your life. Maybe it's something on the positive side that that you've thought about doing, but you feel this great gap between where you are and maybe it's the business you want to start or where you are and and the promotion that you're believing for, and, and there's this gap. And, and I would say that all of us, if you've lived any amount of life, you've experienced that deficit. If you've lived for a moment, you've experienced the deficit. Between, it, may be, it may be little for you, but, but it's real to you. It's like puppy love. It's real to the puppy. Are you with me? And the deficit may seem small compared to somebody else's deficit, but... It's real in, in your life. And, and I think that when we think about faith in these situations and we look at Hannah and go, man, God, where are you? You know, she's prayed year after year. And maybe you've been there. God, where are you? God, why aren't you showing up for me? God, I've prayed about this. God, I put this in 21 days of prayer. I filled out the card. I got here every morning and I prayed at 6 a.m. Monday through Friday. I prayed at 9 a.m. on Saturday and I sought you day after day. And where are you, God? Why haven't you shown up, God? I did it on 21 days of prayer two years ago, God and I still haven't seen you come through. And in those moments, we'll begin to think that God is doing something to us. Some of us, because of our past and shame, will think that God's repaying us now. Well, all that mess I messed up in my past, God must be repaying me, and God doesn't work that way. And we'll think that the deficit between where we are and where we want to be Is God getting back at us, or or God isn't for us, or God isn't hearing us, or God doesn't want to move on our behalf, but I need to change your perspective. Before we grow our faith, I need to shift your perspective to help you understand this, is that the deficit is faith's opportunity. It is not faith's obstacle, but it's faith's opportunity. Because where there is no deficit, there is no need for faith. And where there is no need for faith, there is no need for God. And so I need you to flip your perspective from that that gap you're experiencing as the obstacle to seeing God move in your life, to seeing it as the opportunity for faith to grow in your life. Because where there is no deficit, there is no need for faith. I remember whenever we were just one church, one location, we were, I don't know, six years old or so, five years old, six years old, and... um, and we had gone through a winter where there was crazy amounts of storm, crazy amounts of storms, snowstorms, like snowpocalypse. Or, I mean, it was bananas. And so we missed church for two weeks, and we were portable at the time. We didn't, we didn't have any buildings, let alone one, about to open another one. And, and, and then we get a call on Wednesday and, uh, from the school saying, hey, the snow has damaged the roof, and we can't let you in the school and so we're not going to be able to let you in this Sunday. I was like, are you kidding me? Three weeks of no church. So I called our staff together, and I was like, something rose up in me. It was just like, I think God's doing something. And so I called our staff together, and it wasn't a very big staff. I was like, both of y'all, come in here. We're praying. (laughs) (laughs) And so we just prayed, and we're like, God, we know you're in the midst of this. We don't understand it. But we just pray you would open up a door, God, give us another location. And, and, and long story short is God moved us into another school, which is where we ended up going that Sunday. And then they said, why don't you stay here? And we were like, this is really the one we wanted to be in all along. But we got prohibited from being in it years past. And listen to me, we came back from two weeks off and grew by 200 people overnight. 
But here's, here's the deal, is that God needed to teach me and grow my faith in that deficit because he knew one day I wouldn't be pastoring one church in one location, but I'd be pastoring one church in six locations, and I can't even tell you the crazy stuff that happens on a Sunday morning before we're about to have church, and God needed me to be in a place where I was like, oh, that'll be no problem. God will take care of it. That's not a big deal. God, Oh, you mean that the baptistry has busted between services on spontaneous baptism day and is flooding the foyer? I ain't worried about it because God moved our entire church in a few days and grew us in the middle of it. I needed, to, I needed the faith for what would come. So the deficit isn't even about now. The deficit is growing your faith for what's next. Are you following me? I remember the Sunday whenever our treasurer told us we were a couple hundred people and our treasurer came to us and said, Pastor, if we don't have an offering of like, I think it was $9,300 if I remember. If we don't have a Sunday offering of $9,300, we won't make payroll. He said, what do you think we ought to do? I said, we're going to pray. Because you pray first. Some of us, we say, well, I've done everything I know to do. I guess I'll pray. No, you pray first. And he said, you're not going to announce it? I said, no. He said, you're not going to talk about it in the offering? I said, no. I said, we're going to pray and watch God move. And so we prayed. We got up, had church. I took the offering like I normally would at that time. Nothing special. I didn't mention it. And the offering was just shy of $10,000. God needed to teach me something about the deficit. Because I needed to believe him. Because at that time, our offerings weren't over $5,000 a weekend. So he needed to teach me something about $4,000 faith. Are y'all with me? Because now we build buildings that cost me $12 million. And so he needed to grow my faith at that level so that I would ever, and now I don't have problem believing him for 12 million, but now I've got about $50 million of vision within me and the deficit is a little bigger that I'm believing God to do. But if I didn't learn it in the little thing, I wouldn't believe it now. So the deficit isn't about what? The sickness isn't about now. Your kid being far from God isn't about now. The job you're needing, it's not about now. But if you'll believe him now, it's about what's next. He's growing your faith for what is next. Let me say it this way. The deficit is an indicator of your destiny. So if you've got a big deficit now, God's trying to grow big faith in you now because you've got a big destiny. Somebody give him a shout of praise. So the deficit is an opportunity, not an obstacle. You've got to see it right. Because if you don't see it right, you won't respond to it correctly. It goes on, it says, and, and Hannah, she kept praying to the Lord. I love this. Because some of us don't have fierce faith because we quit too soon. It says she kept praying to the Lord. She just kept praying. Kept praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. In other words, he's watching. She's at the temple, and Eli the priest is like, because she's praying, and her mouth's moving, but no, no, no sounds coming out. Look, it says, um, says her lips were moving and her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. He thought she was just over at the temple like. <laughs> I don't know. And said to her, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. 
Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking Chardonnay or Pabst Blue Ribbon. (laughs) Daniel translation. She says, but I was pouring my soul out to the Lord. I wonder if you've ever been there. Ever been in a place where you just felt like you were pouring your soul out? She said, don't take me for a wicked woman. She said, I've been hearing great anguish and grief. And Eli said, the, the man of God said to her, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And look what happens next. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way, ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. She got a word from the man of God and immediately her countenance changed and her stomach got hungry. Now, some of you are stress eaters, so you don't understand this. (laughs) You get stressed and you start eating. So you don't get this text. I'm the opposite. Like, I don't eat, I don't eat, if I'm speaking somewhere, I don't eat. Sometimes I don't eat the whole day if it's an evening service. That's why I don't like preaching at night. So, like, because I just don't want anything on my stomach. Like, if, when Tammy and I got engaged, I took her to dinner, my favorite restaurant, Nine-ounce filet, baked potato, fully loaded, the whole thing. I barely touched it. I barely touched it um, because I'm not a stress eater. I'm the opposite of it. I get Hannah. I get that she was grieved and overwhelmed and worried and she couldn't eat. But she got a word, and immediately her countenance changed, and she was hungry because she got a word. Now, if you haven't grown up around church and you're like, what do you mean she got a word? Like a word, like giraffe, Um, an article, the or a, like, what do you mean she got a word? And sometimes we use, you know, we use church words and people don't understand. A word is like whenever God speaks something through his scriptures, like the word or through a person or through a song or and it is directly to what you needed to hear, then you've got a word. And you've had that happen to you. Somebody will come at the right time, in the right moment, and they'll say something, and it's like a confirmation of something you needed to hear, or it's like, man, that's exactly what I needed in that moment. That is when you've gotten a word. Sometimes it'll be on Sunday. I may say something, and, and the Spirit of God just works through it, and you're like, I just, that man, that is a word that I needed. That's what I needed to hear. You just, God gave you a word. That's from God for you. And so the prophet of God just gave her word. He said, may God grant you, may the God of Israel grant you your request. And all of a sudden she was ready to go. Countless change. And I want to show you this, that in the middle of believing God for things and shifting your perspective, you've got to see that the word isn't just something that is nice to have. It is something you have to have. Uh, Let me say it this way. If the deficit is faith's opportunity, then the word is faith's foundation. You can't build your life and this faith journey on people's opinion because it's like shifting sand. It changes from day to day. You can't even build your faith on what other people in your life think. Now, the Bible does say that in the multitude of counselors, there's, there's wisdom and there's safety and there's protection in that, but that can't be the first place that you go. 
the, the foundation of everything has to be the Word. It has to be the Word. And I know that for some of you, may, that may sound a little old school and like, you know, uh, no, no, it, it is the foundation. The Bible says the, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of the Lord will stand forever. And so here's the deal. The, the word of your auntie isn't going to stand forever, and the word of your grandpa isn't going to stand forever. Honor those opinions. Listen to those. But the first place you better run to is to get a word. When you're in the middle of a difficulty, when there is a deficit, a gap between where you are, it will be the word that will hold you, sustain you, and give you the foundation to walk through whatever it is you're going through. And so instead of running to ask all your friends on Facebook, come on, come on. Dear God, for the love of everything holy, please stop that. Before you take a poll on Twitter, before you post an Insta story, asking them to fill in the blank now that you can do now. Type in, tell me what I should do. The first place you should go is open up the scriptures and say, God, speak to me. Get on your knees and ask God. Get in the house of God and ask for a word from him. Worship him and receive. The grass wither, the flower fade. The word of the Lord will stand forever. It is the foundation that you must build your life upon. When you are in the middle of a deficit, the first place you should run is to the Word. That is your foundation. That is the solid rock you can build your life upon. And so Hannah got a Word. And the Word came to pass. Because the Word of the Lord will always come to pass. It may not always come to pass when you want it to come to pass. But if He said it, it will be done. And so she got pregnant because you got to act on the word that God gives you. So she goes home and she's like, hey, oh, hey, boo. I got a word. <laughs> Some husband's going to try that today. I got a word in church today, honey. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> And she ends up pregnant, and then she has Samuel, names the baby Samuel. She has Samuel, and then after she has Samuel, she, um, she goes, and the first time Elkanah goes up when he's one years old, she said, he's not weaned yet, I'm not going to the temple to worship with you this year. And then the second year, she's like, okay, he's weaned, I'll go to the temple, and this is where we come into the text, and the scripture says this. After he was weaned, Samuel, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, skin of wine. He was taking items to go worship and sacrifice with and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And when they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli, to the priest. And she said to him, as surely as you live, my Lord, I'm the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child and the Lord granted me what I ask of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. So now I give him to the Lord. If I had to guess, as much as Hannah wept when she prayed for the baby, she wept all the more when she gave the baby.
And a lot of us think that the testing of our faith is in the deficit phase. I would propose that the testing of your faith comes when you have the miracle in your hand. Let me say it this way. The sacrifice is faith's test. Because here's the deal. Before you get your miracle, before you see come to fruition the thing you're believing for, you have open hands and you have empty hands. But then God answers your prayer. And if you're not careful, you'll have a full hand with a closed grip. And you won't have the capacity to receive what God wants to do next because you've got your grip so tight on what He's doing now. And the true test of your faith is can you live as open-handed after the miracle as you did before it? I heard it said this way. What God was doing in Hannah was not about Samuel. It was about opening Hannah's womb for the six children she would birth after Samuel. And what God wants to do in your life, and I believe in this series, is not what He's doing now. It's about what He wants to do next, and after that, and after that, and after that. But if you get your grip so tight on what He's doing now, you won't have the ability to receive what He wants to do next. The sacrifice, we could say the surrender, is faith's true test. So if we're going to have fierce faith, we've got to, we've got to adjust our perspective and realize the deficit isn't the obstacle, it's the opportunity. If we're going to have fierce faith, we've got to realize the Word is our foundation. And that the true testing of our faith comes in the sacrifice, and I would propose a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted and so in this series I hope to stir the measure of faith that you have and to grow you to another dimension will you pray with me at every campus every head bowed every eye closed no one looking around maybe you're here today and the step you need to take is not to grow your faith, but it's to take the initial step of faith to place your faith in Jesus. To know what it is to have a relationship with God. Maybe something on the inside of you was challenged, as I said, you can know about God without knowing God. And today you need to know God. The Bible says that we've all sinned. That's not a condemning statement, it's just the condition of humanity. And it says, because we've sinned, we've fallen short, or we've missed the standard of God. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life, and it comes through Jesus. 
And Paul penned these words in Romans. He said, if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today, to confess with your mouth and to believe in your heart, and to know that you have peace with God. You can know that you know that you have peace with God today. And so in just a moment, we're going to pray together as an entire church across every campus. And as we pray, if you'd say, Pastor, that's me. I want to be included in that prayer. God's speaking to me today. I want to know God at every location. I'm going to count, my, I'm going to, count to three. I'm going to ask you just to shoot your hand up high in the air. No one looking around. We wouldn't embarrass you for the world. But if you say, that's me today, God's speaking to me. If that's you, on three, you just shoot your hand up high. One, two, three, up high, every location. God bless you all over the room, all over the room. You can put them down. Church, let's pray this out loud together for the benefit of those praying it for the very first time. Come on, boldly out loud. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I confess my sin to you. I believe you died for me. And you rose again three days later. I ask you to forgive me today and to make me new. I confess you as Lord of my life in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said a big amen. Come on, celebrate all those, so many decisions.